Good morning again. Did you have a good week? Yeah? Well, it is uh, always a great blessing to be able to gather together as a saint, to worship our creator, our lawgiver, our redeemer and friend, that we can come to learn more about who Christ Jesus is and who we are as we rest in the finished work upon the cross. You ever, you ever form a habit through life? Right? You ever form a bad habit? A good habit? Right? And we form a lot of habits through life. From uh, what we enjoy for breakfast, you know, bacon and eggs, or Cheerios, right? Or oatmeal. No, no, no oatmeal. Still cut oatmeal is really good. Yeah. We enjoy our habits like relaxing in our easy chair and enjoying the ball game. Or reading a good novel and cuddling up in a blanket when it's raining outside. Uh, <laughs> And I'm always subbing when it happens. I'm like, ah, oh, you know. <laughs> we have good habits like walking and drinking enough water. And we have bad habits like eating all the brownies or spending all the money on stuff that we need. <laughs> now, building good habits and bad habits alike take time. But if we set our mind to it, we can break or build habits. You know, this always takes me to Google. I'm like, I want to see what the researchers say. <laughs> researchers conclude, uh, this is medicalnewstoday.com. Uh, it's an interesting site. I've learned a lot through it uh, lately. Um, researchers conclude that habit formation or breaking can take anywhere between 18 days. I'm like, oh, nice. Or 254 days. No, that's 8.3 months. That's a lot of time, right? <laughs> You know, but there's habits, you know, habits that actually come out of our nature that we've had since birth, our sin nature. We form habits that we saw our parents, grandparents, our community doing. So likewise, we did them uh, from habits that we even formed as we go about life. Uh, one college roommate come to, came to mind, I think it was every, every Thursday or maybe it was Taco Tuesday. He'd go to Taco John's and he'd order like three or four bean burritos. And at the time, I thought it was the weirdest thing. But now, I'm like, you know what? A bean burrito is pretty good every once in a while. You know that? At the time, I thought it was a bad habit. <laughs> you know, humanity has rebellion within them, right? It is our, our nature. And as we talked about in Sunday school, our, our nature pollutes even the good that we try and do. <clears throat> our habit, our, our nature brings us these habits that are apart from our Redeemer. And they are, they are sinful. And our good habits don't even get us close enough to God's holy standard. So, what are we to do when we need to break our habits from our own nature? Well, please turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6.
But Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1, the prophet of the Lord writes this, And the king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundation of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah saw the Lord. He had, he had actually seen just the train of the Lord fill the temple itself. And he heard the angels cry about how holy the Lord is, and the temple shook. Its very foundation shook, and it was filled with smoke. This entire event unfolds in front of Isaiah, and we see his reaction in verse 5. He said, and I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. See, Isaiah saw the Holy Lord, and right away he understood beyond a shadow of a doubt that both his nature and his habits were sinful, that he had grown up with unclean lips as his people had as well. If we see the Lord for who he really is, we will see ourselves for who we really are. He is holy and we are sinners. And then the amazing thing is this. We don't just sit there in that truth, in that understanding. We see ourselves as what we are. We see God for who he is and who we are. But then we see this amazing truth is, is present as well. Atonement is offered. Isaiah continues saying this in verse 6. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he took, <coughs> that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. That's amazing. Our guilt can only be taken away from us by the Lord Almighty. And for he is alone the Redeemer, the one who makes the free gift available to all by the cross, by sending his Son forth so that we can have our sins atoned for and our guilt taken away. As we've seen through Colossians, Paul has told the church in Colossae about this. He has told all of this truth and stood against any and all <coughs> traditions, spiritual leaders, and worldly philosophies that would have the believers misled into something that will not stop the indulgence of the flesh, right? That's, that's pretty much the conclusion that he comes to at the end of chapter 2 and starts talking to them about how only in Christ alone have they been made alive by God. And that in walking in the newness of life in Christ is the only thing that can help us fight the good fight against our nature and our habits of sin. Now let's start with a word of prayer before we turn to Colossians. 
And Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you so much for the amazing grace that we have in your Son. That we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we, we are sinners, but that in Christ alone we are justified. And that we can fight the good fight, that we can place ourselves before you as a living sacrifice and be about putting to death what is earthly in us and then putting on what you have called us to. And thank you, Lord, for just the amazing truth that, that we can look at your scripture today, that we can know you, we can know that you have provided for all, that we can behold the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world and know this truth to be saved. Father, be with us as we study in your scripture. Help us uh, just know you more and to live out the life that you call us to, that we could aim to please you, Jesus. Uh, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn your Bibles with me to Colossians Colossians chapter 3. <coughs> and we'll be in verses uh, 5 through 8. Paul writes this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, in these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Now as we, as we rest in the finished work of Christ Jesus upon the cross for our sins, only then can we start this work, right? He's, he's the foundation. And we start this work to put to death. Because we, we in Christ don't live according to the flesh. We are told to put we are told to put to death the deeds of the body. Because we who are in Christ have been made alive to God and him, and our flesh has been crucified with its passions and desires. Christ on the cross nailed our record of debt to the cross, right? I almost kind of want to, I thought about that when we were singing that song, and I love that song, but it's like our, our sin held him there. I'm like, hey, you know, twist that around. Jesus held our sin there and nailed it there, right? How amazing is it that, that the cross has so many things that we can look at and say that he nailed it to death. He destroyed sin and death by its very own weapon, death itself. He nailed our record of debt to the cross. 
he paid it in full, all the legal demands against us, for he became sin who knew no sin, that we would become the righteousness of God. We, in him, can deal a death blow to our passions and our desires, so as not to live in the flesh. Right, we're to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. We are to be a, a living sacrifice before the Lord. Not in love with the world, for it is passing away. And all the hope that it offers is false hope. The Apostle John states it like this in his first letter. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. See, all, all the earthly within us is about the me, the my, my wants, my way, the desires of the flesh. Our, our sinful nature is opposed to the Lord. So we in Christ put to death the earthly within us and seek the will of God. For in that we abide forever. Paul lists a few things here. He lists sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We as a believer, we as the church are to put to death in ourselves, sexual, sexual immorality it is defined as to what is contrary to what God has made sex for, which is one man and one woman married before God and witnesses. And any other form of sex is sinful and contrary to why God created it. As we see in Genesis, he states this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. See, the church and the believers should point and point and stand, stand and point to all that this is the purpose of sex. That it is for the enjoyment in marriage, the multiplication of the image bearers of God and the family, and everything else is contrary. We should put to death also impurity, that we wouldn't live in our lusts or in our vice, that we would put to death our passions and evil desires, that we wouldn't be controlled by the appetite for sin that is within us and in our culture, that we would put to death covetousness, right? That we wouldn't yearn for others' possessions. That we would be content with what we have and not make an idol out of stuff or status. Paul states this at the end of that. He says, on the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And Paul has clearly stated it time and time again. And the, the, the one in Romans is always the one that you know, stands out to me. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. See, humanity is, 
in rebellion against the Lord and has suppressed the truth of God and seeks life or freedom and all these other things. And therefore wrath comes because of them. So the believer, the church, are to put these things to death. For we are not alive to them, we are alive to God in Christ. Paul tells the Colossians this, In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. See, we were, right? We were a part of the world. We lived for the earthly things within us. But now we're to put it all away. Sounds like packing up a house almost, right? <laughs> you know, put it all away. We followed the course of this world. We were sons of a dis disobedience, sons of wrath, children of wrath. But now in Christ, we are alive by grace to show his immeasurable riches throughout the ages, the riches of the grace of God. Now, please turn in your Bibles with me to first. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 9 through 11, Paul states this to the church of Corinth. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkard, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See, those that are earthly cannot inherit the kingdom of God, whether they are good, bad, or ugly, but sinners who are washed by the blood of the Lamb, the slain Lamb of God, the slain Lamb that was once dead but now is alive, those are the ones that are able to dwell with God. For they rest in the one who is able, Christ Jesus. For in him alone we are justified, right? We are no longer under the wrath of God for the penalty of sin. And then we can be sanctified, right? And that is, as we walk with Jesus, we can fight the power of sin over our lives and present ourselves as instruments of righteousness. And finally, we will be glorified as we are hidden in the Lord we will dwell with the almighty forever where there is no presence of sin and that's that's a great chapter that I'm waiting to get to right? <laughs> yeah. in life and study oh. Paul continues in verses 9 through 11 in chapter 3 of the book of Colossians writing this says do not lie to one another 
seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which we'll get to in a couple, in a couple weeks, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Paul tells the church that they are not to lie to one another. As a community, we are to speak truth and love so we all can grow up in every way into the head, which is Christ. That's what Ephesians 4.15 says. And we are not to be, as Casting Crowns says, plastic, perfect plastic people in a stained glass masquerade. You ever hear that song? It was like one of my favorite Casting Crowns songs back in the day. We are to be real, not raw, but real with our struggles so that we can be about helping one another as we are all fellow strugglers. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. There's a lot of chapter 6s today. What the? I didn't even know that. Because <laughs> it was Isaiah chapter 6, Corinthians chapter 6, and now it's Galatians chapter 6. How cool is that, God? <laughs> um, but Galatians chapter 6 uh, will be in verses 1 through 5. Paul says this, right? But brothers... If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness, in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so as to fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work that then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For he, each will have to bear his own load. We, as a gathered saints, are to deal with transgression among the saints. That we would be about restoration. You know, reconciliation, restoration, and repentance, right? When we get to Matthew, we'll, we'll talk about that one day. But it's it's the... That's why, how the church is to deal with sin. That we would bear one another's burdens, right? That as we bear our own cross, right? We deny ourselves, bear our own cross, and follow Jesus. That we're not just about our own journey, but we're helping one another, right? Each one of us has our own load to bear, but we're also supposed to be mindful of one another. To help each other as we walk with Christ together. We are to be about this life together, seeing that you have put off the old self, right? That the believer, that the church would not live in sin, but that we would live in the truth of what happened at the cross. That the old self was crucified with Christ so that the body of sin would be brought to nothing. And that we that believe in Jesus would not be enslaved to sin anymore. We are to put off the old self with its practices and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
I love that phrase. It's like the cool, <laughs> amazing verse. And we cannot think of it to just identify with Jesus, right? We, we just, we don't just stop there. We, we don't just identify with Jesus. We can't just keep on practicing sin or living a lifestyle against the Lord. No, we are to put to death the old self. We are not alive to the earthly within us anymore, but put on the new self. And Paul will explain this more as the chapter progresses. We put on our new self, for in Christ we are new creations, and we are to live in that. For in Christ we have been made alive to God, and therefore we live in him. You know, this comes, right, with, with the start of hearing the gospel, of first coming and placing our faith in Christ. And then we start this amazing journey, our, our walk, or our sanctification is the, the big word, right? But our, our walk with Christ, and we go about it by being renewed in our minds. <clears throat> and this comes to be to being about the only profitable thing for the Christian, right? There's a lot of profitable things in the world, but the profitable thing for the Christian is this is studying the word, reading the word, knowing the word, understanding the word in its context, and obeying the word, right? We are to be conformed to the image of the Son. And I'm so thankful that the standard's not the pastor, right? <laughs> you know, the standard isn't some super spiritual guy out there somewhere. Our standard that we grow into, our standard is Christ. How amazing is that? Here in Christ, we see everyone for who they are. A sinner in need of a Savior. And within the body of Christ, the church is to show no partiality, right? To be holy as God is holy. We talked about that one in Sunday school is to show no favoritism. That's what James talks about in his second chapter. God shows no favoritism. God shows no partiality. So why do you, church? And that's a really cool passage in James 2, 1 through 13. If you want to check that out in your Bible reading this week. In the body, all we have is Christ in common. And that we would be eager, right? Eager to maintain that unity in the spirit in the bonds of peace that we have in Christ. Are habits a pain to form? Who likes forming them? Is forming them easier than breaking them? No, no poll today? Somebody raise their hand. <laughs> Are taking polls hard? Is everyone tired? All right. Getting that Mother's Day nap in, right? Everybody, yeah. It's coming. You know, it's, it's hard to form habits. It's a pain to form them. It's a pain to break them. But those chips are so good. <laughs> yeah. If those are hard, right? Those are physical habits. Killing sin is not an easy task. Putting our flesh to death is something we cannot do apart from Christ. Right? That's all what... Paul concluded at the end of chapter 2 in Colossians. 
We cannot do it apart from Christ because he alone is the one that nails it to the cross. So resting in his finished work is the needed good news. The amazing good news. The needed bad news is that we are all sinners through and through. And on any given day we sin, whether that be in word or deed or thought. The Apostle John tells the church this in his first letter. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Don't you like that amazing truth? The church is not about this. It's not told to fake it until you make it, man. Right? <laughs> no. We are to recognize that we are sinners. Don't lie. Don't, don't deceive. But confess it. And know that the faithful one, the able one, as Jude says, Jesus is able to forgive us and cleanse us our sins. Now please turn your Bible once more to, dude, Romans chapter 6. <laughs> what? Oh, man. I did write this, but <laughs> how cool is that? Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14, Paul writes this <coughs> let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you be, obey its passions do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness Put, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for, for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Right, we don't let sin have the driver's seat. In our mortal bodies, we don't obey its passions. We present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice to be instruments for righteousness. See, the believer isn't without sin. That would be a lie. But we don't let it have dominion over us. For the Lord Jesus is our master, not idols, not the flesh or the world. Applying this is a lot longer than 18 days. I wish it was that easy. Yeah. Or the eight months. It is a lifelong goal of struggling against the earthly within us. That they would not be named among the saints. That we would hold to the inheritance of the kingdom of Christ that we wait for. We wait for his coming with great anticipation. And that we, would, <coughs> we wouldn't let the world deceive us with empty words and empty promises but that we would understand that judgment is coming for the sons of a disobedience and let the world know that hope is found in Christ alone. See, the church shouldn't partner 
with the world. We should live in the light, not in darkness. That we would discern what is pleasing, not to ourselves, not to others, not to our culture, but to the Lord above. That we would not take part in the works of darkness, but expose them. That we would live in the light of Christ and the finished work of the cross and walk wisely in these evil days. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. And Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace that is found in Christ alone, through faith alone. Lord, we thank you for thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the free gift that is presented to the world. That though all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, there's, there's no distinction. There's no distinction in this as well. That those that believe upon the Lord Jesus will have eternal life. Help us fight the good fight in our mortal bodies to put to death the earthly that is within us and help us be on that new path that we'll look at to put on what you call us to that as we walk with you that we would aim to please you Jesus as we go out from here encourage us equip us Lord to love on those that we meet along the highways and byways and speak to them of Christ and, and be an example of what it is to believe who Jesus is and what he has done. Help us walk worthy, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.